0: I entitled my sermon "Becoming Complete," and like that sounds like a weird thing. What does that mean, "becoming complete"? So hopefully, at the end, by the time we're done, you'll you'll be able to understand that a little bit more. If you want to open your Bibles to a scripture, we're going to start in Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve. So I'm going to start in verse nine. And uh, this says, and he said to me, and this is Paul writing, and he's talking about what God said to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I, I just looked at another translation of this, and uh, it says, um, And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I had to think for myself about this. I said, Suppose. I live down in the Houston area, and I lost my home. I lost my car. Maybe my car is, you know, buried in water out there. I know when the waters recede, that's not going to be worth anything anymore. Uh, maybe I had a job in the same area. So who knows whether I'm going to have a job when all of this comes, you know, when all of the, all of the water recedes and everything gets back to normal. Am I going to be able to, as Paul said, to be able to rejoice in the distresses, in in all that has has happened to me? And that's a a difficult thing for myself to just look at, because I don't rejoice when I get sick. Mm -hmm. But that's what Paul is really saying. He's rejoicing in these things. But there's a reason for it. God loves us so much that He really wants us to become more like Him. I think it's um, Galatians, and I, I got to get the scripture Ephesians. Ephesians five one says to be imitators of God. We, he wants us to be more like Jesus, and sometimes to become more like Jesus. There are things that are going to have to be weeded out in our life. And the way that God allow, you know, has us weed them out is some of the things that we are going to be going through. So let's take a look at some of the things that uh, has, have happened in Scripture. Let's go to John 1. John chapter 1. Okay, let's start uh, around verse uh, 37, and it says, The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. When he said Jesus looked at him, that, the verb for that, looked at him, is really means, means looked right through him. He wasn't just staring at him like I'm looking at you guys right now. But he was seeing in Peter not only what Peter was now, but what Peter would be one day. He saw Peter's future. He saw what Peter could become. And that's why he changed his name. He changed his name from Cephas, which is kind of like, it's like a reed, a reed that just kind of blows in the wind. Um, I, I know many uh, people have said that it's translated sand, but if you really look at, At a a dictionary, it really doesn't say sand, it really says reed, but basically that same meaning, you know, sand is very porous and water just goes right through it. Uh, With the reed, you just kind of change, you know, with the wind. The wind blows this way, you go that way. If your wind blows that way, you go the other way. All right. And Peter was like that at that time. And if you look at Peter's life, it took a while for Peter to, you know, for all the impurities to to get out of Peter. Because even three years later, just before Jesus died, Peter denied him. Not only once, but he denied him three times. Okay? So there was a lot that, in Peter's life, that was going to have to be, you know, taken care of. Um, And it was going to take time for him to do that. But, you see, when when Jesus looks at us, he knows that what not only what we are today or what we were when we first came to know him, but what we can become, you know, where Jesus wants us to get. Now, let me ask you this. Raise your hand if you want to be more like Jesus. Okay, so that's a, that's a no-brainer, right? Everybody's hand goes up. Raise your hand if you want to go through what it's going to take <laughs> to get to there, you know? And that's that's when it's like, mm, you know, the, the flesh and the spirit. The spirit says, yes, I want that. The flesh says, I don't want that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go through those things. You know? I think of a, of a story of uh, Derek Prince tells, tells this story. Derek Prince, a great uh, Bible teacher who passed away about 15 years ago. But he tells a story of... Um, when he was in the army, and he hadn't given his life to the Lord yet, and somehow he found that he wound up in church. And he said he went into this church, probably similar to ours right here, and he said most of the church was filled with old women, you know, and then him. You know, and he's there in uniform and everything. And during the the sermon, the pastor who was preaching at the time said, if you would like... Well first he said, everybody close your eyes." So everybody closed their eyes, and he said, "If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand." And Eric Prince had his eyes closed. He said, "I'm not raising my hand. I'm, not, you know, I'm the only soldier here or all these old ladies. He said, "I'm, I'm not going to do anything like that here." And as he opened up his eyes, he looked to his right, and there was his right hand up. He said, he said, I know I did not put my hand up. I know I didn't want to, but there it was up. And that's, he wound up giving his life to the Lord that day in, the, in that church. But sometimes the Holy Spirit, you know, does things with us. And that's what we, we need. You know, when we say, what do we have to go through? It's the Holy Spirit that has to hold up our hand at that time because it's not, it's not something that's going to be necessarily um, uh, pleasant. Let's go to uh, uh, Philippians 1.6. And again, uh, I'll read these to you if you don't really want to move around. It's just one verse. Um, it says in verse 6, Be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Christ wants us to be complete. Now, we may never really totally get there. You know, this is a lifetime experience. It never ever ends. All right? We don't in other words, we don't accomplish something and then say, okay, I made it. That's it, you know? No more trials. I don't have to worry about any of these things anymore. It doesn't work that way. Okay? It's it's something that's it's a process and it's going to take time. And let's look a little bit more at that process. Go to uh, the book of James. We're all very familiar with this because it's the scriptures that people just don't want to hear. Uh, James 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, we're never going to be perfect, but that's what we're striving for. That's where God wants us to get. He wants us to get to that point where we're going to be perfect. Now, it's probably not going to happen until we're dead and we're up in heaven, but we're supposed to be striving for that because that's being more like the Father. Be, be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, And it's the trials that we're going to be going through that gets us to that point. A good analogy for this is when, you t- when refining of ores like gold and silver. We all know that in order for gold to be refined, we have to heat it. We have to heat it like thousands and thousands and thousands of degrees. And as the gold is being heated, all the impurities that were in that gold start to rise to the top. And the person who's doing this just takes a skimmer and he begins skimming those impurities off the top. But it doesn't just happen once. You don't have pure gold after one time. And so they heat it again. And then all the impurities start coming up to the top. And again, you skim it off the top. And again, and again, and, and again, and again, and again. And somebody asked once, the people that do this, how do you know when you get to the point where it's, it's pure gold? And he, his answer was, when I can look into the vat of gold and see my face, then I know that it's ready, that it's pure gold. And that's what God wants to see. He wants to be able to look at us and see the face of Jesus. And in order for us to get there, we have to skim off all those impurities. Now, what brings up those impurities? It's the trials and the tribulations that we go through. Each time we go through that, more impurities come up. And what we need to do is, these are the times that we need to get rid of them. See, we need to recognize, first of all, the impurities that are in our life. We have to be able to understand that this is, this is something that God doesn't want in our life anymore. Something that we want to get rid of. And then once we recognize it, sometimes we have to repent. Because there might be things that we've been doing all along that are not what God really wanted us to do. And then as we repent, we remove them. And then now we're more like Jesus. But again, it's a process. Because it's not complete. We're heading toward that. God wants us to be complete. But the next time trials and tribulations come along, here we are again. Now somebody said once, As a Christian, you're always either going into a trial, you're in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. Okay, I don't really believe that. You might hear that at some point. I think there's times when we're not. But we have to be aware that there are going to be many times when we do go through trials and tribulations. We have many, many examples in Scripture. We're going to look at some of them right now. Because if you're going through a trial then you're in good company because there's a lot of good people in, uh, in Scripture that have gone through that. And time in God's hands is not that important. He, he wants, it's the task of getting there, not so much how much time it takes. And we'll see that in some of them. Let's look at Moses, first of all. Let's see if I can get to him. Moses is in Exodus, uh, chapter 2 of Exodus. And we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now, most of us know the rest of the the story, but how long was he in Midian? How long before the Lord brought him back to lead the Egyptian people? There were a lot of things in Moses that God had to weed out. In order for him to get to the point where he could come back, and I think it was like 40 years later, he could come back and now lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. Another good example is Joseph. And let's take a look at, at Joseph. And we're going to go back into Genesis, um, chapter 37. We'll start just in verse two it says this is the history of Jacob. Joseph being seventeen years old was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So that hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bowed bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. I sometimes wonder, you know, when in the rest of the story when Joseph is thrown into the pit and then he's sold to the, uh, Egypt, the uh, Egyptian uh, people in the, as the Egyptians were coming through. I'm wondering, you know, as he was, you know, for days and probably in a wagon or whatever where they were bringing him, I wonder if he thought back to some of the things he said to his brothers. You know, because... <laughs> A lot of that was—it seems like there was a lot of pride there, you know—in that the fact that instead of—I mean—it was one thing that God revealed these things to him, and and it was accurate, you know. The dreams were accurate, obviously, because they did come true later on. But so so much is that, you know, you in wisdom you don't exactly go telling all these people that they're going to be—you know—older people that they're all going to be bowing down to you. You know, So there was, there was probably things that needed to be weeded out in, uh, in Joseph's life because when you look at the wisdom that he had uh, what, about 10 years later when he was um, you know, chosen by the pharaoh to uh, lead all of Egypt, he had a tremendous amount of wisdom, and he was more of a humble type person. But God had to get those things out. All these things had to come up. And this is the same thing that happens in our own life. We have things that we're going to go through, trials and tribulations, and as we're going through them, we have to realize that there are things that are going to come up with, within them. Sometimes um, a, a trial might be another person, where I really can't stand that person, you know, and I always have to be near them. I don't know whether it's in church or at work or or in your own family or anything. You know, things that really bug me. And a lot of times, those things that bug you are things that God's showing you that are in yourself. Things that you really need to weed out. Things that you really need to repent of and, and remove from your life. So... When, when you're going through the trials and, and tribulations, those are things that you, do, you really have to look at. God, what are you showing me in this trial that I'm going through? All right, I use, uh, Is there something in my life that needs to be weeded out, or is it just something that I'm going through because you need me to be closer to you? Because I'm sure God has thousands of reasons to allow us to go through the trials. I don't believe he sends the trials. I don't believe that that's You know him, and you know I'm going to put you through this, but I think he allows us to go through the trials, and as we're going through them, to you know become a better person and closer, you know, more like Jesus because of it. There's a number of things that I think as as we are going through trials, that are trying, you know, as God's trying to make us more complete as God is uh, trying to get us to the point where we're heading toward this perfection, the perfection that the Father uh, wants us to have. That as, uh, as we see them, this, things that we really need to understand that any time we're going through a trial, God is always going to be with us at that time. He loves us so much that He will allow us to go through the trial So we become more like him, but he doesn't let us go through the trial alone. He is always there with us. We also need to look at the fact that we should not feel guilty when we're going through a trial and think right away that, you know, what am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. You know, is God punishing me for something? They're not punishments. They're not, they're not things that God is sending to you. It's actually God loving you so much, saying, I know that you can be more like me as you go you know, through these things. And we have to look at the trials. We almost have to say, thank you, Lord, for putting me through the trial, even though it's very, very difficult to say something like that because as we're going through it, all we're thinking about is how long is this going to last, and you know how am I going to get out of this uh, this trial of this tribulation? So, there's three R's that I, I mentioned before, but I want to repeat them again. First, we need to recognize the fact that yeah we're going through a trial, and there might be some things that God wants us that it's you know those things that come to the surface when you're heating up. the the gold that need to be skimmed off. We need to recognize the fact that that they're there. Then we need, if it's something that we're doing, that God doesn't really want us to be doing, that he really wants us out of our lives, we need to repent because we've been doing things that aren't of God. And then the last thing is, the last R is to remove. So we need to recognize them, repent of them, and remove them. And as we do, you know, we can just thank him in this, thanking for him for allowing us to go through that, Because it's just a sign of his love, you know, that he loves us so much that he just wants to keep getting us closer and closer to him. And then, as, as we're doing that, we're becoming more and more and more complete. Amen? Amen. Go ahead, Tim. Well, if, if you listen to Jay's sermon online somehow, uh, it's on the website, uh, you will see he talked about the temptations, the three temptations of Jesus, and the trials that Jesus went through. And the, 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 I think the major essence of your talk was the fact that we're not to feel guilty if we're going through. These things, and that, that's why I said a lot of the things. The Holy Spirit is just tying all these together. Tim, that that's Amen. just going to add to that, and uh, I won't be here, but I will we'll look forward to hearing that online too. And what what you said, Linda, is I, I think it just feels it ties all all in with all of this stuff, you know, because you you did go through a trial and tribulation with that, you know. It should be- That he would even want to be here Yeah, that's right. Through it. Through it. Amen. Amen. So let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank we thank you. We thank you for all that you, um, for just for all the love that you pour out on us in so many different ways. Uh, allowing us to go through trials, but also getting us through those trials, Lord. Just being there with us uh, all the time that we're there, Lord. And that the goal uh, of them is to just draw closer to you, to be more like you, to become more complete, Lord. We thank you in all of these things. Lord, we continue to pray for those suffering in Houston Lord we and, and and the surrounding areas, because I know it uh, 's happening and in, it in, uh, 's flooding now in, in some of the other states, and we just pray for all the people that are are, uh, are just going through so much, especially for those who have uh, lost their homes, Lord God, and lost uh, all that uh, they have and Lord uh, we pray for the many first responders, and also for all those that are following that are in, the, um, uh, in, in, the, in those areas to help out in whatever way they can, Lord God. We thank you for the unity that comes in that. We, we continue to pray for the church in, in that area, Lord. And, and I notice, I don't say churches. It's your church, Lord God, as they pull together Uh, and work together, Lord, to help people. And that, Lord, that many may see the love that you have for them in this and that it may draw people closer to you, that it may uh, bring them to a relationship with you that um, will will stand long after all of this ends. And many, many may uh, uh, come to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of you who didn't know you before. We thank you in all of this, Lord God, and we just pray as we leave here, Lord, that we continue to be an example of your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.